0: How can so many people get so many different ideas and opinions from this one book? Why are there so many differences and disagreements and misunderstandings and really just plain wackiness from this one book? And how can we know and, and even be confident that when we are reading the biblical writings we're actually understanding and getting it right? Well, I have some ideas, so let's talk about it. As we've seen in the last two episodes, for thousands of years, God has used the biblical writings to create, to transform, and to guide his people to be his people in his kingdom, to help them discover and play their role in his grand story. And the biblical writings are the main way we learn and we grow in loving God and and loving others as he's loved us. And since the beginning, people have read the biblical writings together as a group. And then someone explains more in depth what they mean and and how to apply it in in their roles, in their culture, which is really what we try to do in these episodes and at our in-person gatherings. But at some point, a lot of us want to go further. We have our our own questions. We we want our own answers. We want to know Jesus and we want to know his kingdom. We want to know our role in his kingdom on a personal level. See, we read scripture on our own to be transformed and equipped to play our own role in God's story. It's exactly what Paul, the Apostle Paul, was talking about in 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and He equip his people to do every good work. So for thousands of years, that's what the biblical writings have been used to do. And so... We're like, yeah, I wanna go deeper, I wanna, I wanna know more. So we go and get a Bible. And we're told, oh, you know, just, just read it, just read the plain meaning of scripture. And we read something we're like, but plain to whom? There's so many different interpretations of the exact same passage. Or we're told, you know, just read it because the Bible clearly says. Does it though? I mean, a lot of it seems pretty confusing. What the Bible clearly says doesn't always seem very clear, does it? It can be overwhelming to, to try to read it for ourselves. There, there can be a lot of pressure to get it right. But think about it. When God inspired the original authors to write what they did, he didn't intend them to be vague and ambiguous and confusing. If these words, these writings, really are what God inspired to be written and has caused to be passed down to us, to, to grow us in knowing him, If it's what he's chosen to use to reveal who he is to us, then he must think we can learn to understand them somehow, right? Well, one of the main reasons that we, there seems to be such a a difference in the interpretations and the understandings of biblical writings is we all read them through our own lenses. See, whenever we read the biblical writings, we can't help but interpret them through our own cultural, social, and even political lenses. And then we place all of that, past thinking and knowledge and all that, place all that on top of what the authors first wrote. And so we start seeing things that they actually didn't even intend to mean when they wrote. So we can't let our own cultural, social, and political context overshadow the original context of Scripture. Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart, in, in their book, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, said, a text cannot mean what it never could have meant to its author Or original readers and hearers. An example, uh, I was once told, um, I was quoted at, you know how people use the Bible, I was quoted at the first half of Genesis 2.18, where it said, it's not good for a man to be alone. And God's like, you know, Adam's alone, he needs a wife. Let's bring these two together. Very poetic, awesome picture of, of the first marriage and that type of thing. But that verse was used to argue why we should leave our church open during the first few months of COVID. Now, whatever you think, politics, science, all of that, that is not even close to what the original author meant when they wrote that. But that kind of thing happens all the time. So what do we do? How do we see scripture for what it really is and still allow it to transform us today? See, we can't know what a biblical text means for us until we know what it first meant to us them, the ones it was actually written to. See, each word needs to be understood within its sentence, each sentence within its paragraph, each paragraph within its book, each book within the historical, cultural setting of its time. What we're talking about is the word context. And the solution to all of this, seems like a lot, isn't just to quit reading the biblical writings and trust some guy to tell you what it means, but to begin to actually interpret them ourselves, to have a guide and, and tools to interpret the biblical writings for ourselves. See the biblical writings become clearer when we develop the proper lens through which to view them. And so the rest of this episode is gonna get a little technical. We are in classroom teaching mode where we're going to walk through the best way to read, understand, and use the Bible because it's honestly not as daunting as it sounds. In fact, all you have to do to get started is follow John's three guidelines to reading the biblical writings. Now, if you really wanna dive into this topic, I recommend two great books. It's the two books I really use to help me with this series. It's uh, Gordon, Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart's How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth and Scripture and the Authority of God, How to Read the Bible Today by N.T. Wright. But for now, let's go through John's, John's three guidelines to how to read the biblical writings. So guideline number one, use good tools. Have a good translation, a good Bible dictionary, and good commentaries. So when we talk about translation, everything we read, we don't. if you don't read ancient Greek and Hebrew, you need a good translation into your language. The best translation is the translation that you will read and understand. I know so many translations, we get confused. The best one is the one you will actually read and the one that you can understand. And having more than one can't hurt my recommendations. The NIV, the NASB, the NLT, and the CSB. I would not recommend the King James Version or the New King James Version. Those are off of older manuscripts. In fact, one of something else, you don't have to go buy a Bible and try out the translation. All translations are available online for free or even at the U Version app that you can download. So try out some translations, see if you like them. So get a good translation, get a good Bible dictionary. These help us understand the topics and, and the words and the big ideas in the biblical writings. A free, two free dictionaries that I personally use is BibleGateway.com for the actual dictionary. What does this actually mean? And then BlueLetterBible.com where I look up the individual words and phrases in a biblical text. And then, very important, if you really wanna understand what these texts are about, get some good commentaries. Cause commentaries help us discover what the writers actually meant in their time for their audience. A good rule of thumb is a good commentary discusses all possible meanings for a debated text, not just that author's pet theory. So not just one person's like, here is my study Bible, and this is exactly what it means. No, because scholars disagree, and that's okay. Find one that has the best, like, multiple options. We'll have some links in the show notes to some, some easy-to-read, good, general commentaries. Okay, so get some good tools. Guideline number two, read the biblical writings literarily. I made that word up. Read the biblical writings literarily, meaning what is the book's literary, literary genre? Because different genres are meant to be understood differently. And there's many different genres in the biblical writings. Let's talk about a few of them. 40% of the Old Testament is narrative. So telling a story, right? Where there's characters, a plot, and then the plot resolution. A lot of 40% of the Old Testament. In the New Testament narrative, it's the book of Acts. It has a story line. But these narratives, we get in trouble when we use these as monkey see, monkey do. So a good rule for narratives is this. Just because the biblical writings describe it doesn't mean God prescribed it. You don't do everything the character does in the Bible. Like, for example, polygamy. A lot of the Old Testament guys had multiple wives. Not something God recommends. You can see how it actually turns out for them. So narrative. And then in the Old Testament, the law is another genre. The law is an agree- was an agreement between God and ancient Israelites. Cre- they, it was given to them to create and preserve a nation of God's people to bring in God's kingdom. And we get in trouble when we try to apply what was written to and for them to our own lives now. And so what we have to understand is that's a different part of that six-act play we talked about in the last episodes. See, nothing in the Old Testament law is binding on anyone alive today. So why do we read it? because it gives us the background, it gives us the foundation of our part of the story. It's where we first learn who God is, what he is like, who we are as humanity, and what's wrong with the world. And so that is the law. And then we move on to the Psalms, which are poetry. Songs, right? These were the songs that the Israelites would sing. So there's a lot of metaphor, a lot of descriptive language, not meant to be a scientific textbook and use all the right jargon and stuff. So it's very important when we read the Psalms, To not think of them as words from God to us. That's not really the point of the Psalms. They're prayers and songs to God that can tell us a little bit about God. They're not really intended to teach doctrine and and moral behavior. The Psalms are given to us to help express ourselves to God. Maybe to consider who he is and, and what he's like. And then the writings also have a genre we call wisdom where we have books like Proverbs and, and Job and Ecclesiastes and the Song of, Psalm, Song of Songs, mostly. And wisdom. When we think of wisdom, it's the ability to apply what we know about God to our regular life choices. We don't use the, the wisdom books to get pithy sayings or, or hard and fast universal truths, but really they're designed to help us begin to think and therefore act in a wise manner. And then there's another genre which we call prophecy, which can be confusing. And there's four major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. And then there's 12 minor prophets that we find at the end, the shorter, that's why they're minor, shorter, we find at the end of the Old Testament. These were written around 760 to 460 BC. And the point of them was to call God's people back, back to God, to preserve Israel as his people who are going to usher in his kingdom. And the confusing thing comes when we say prophecy. For a lot of us, we think that's about telling the future. That's not what prophecy was. It did kind of announce the future, like it would talk about God coming to rescue his people and kind of foreshadow Jesus in this double fulfillment. But usually the, it was talking about the immediate future of Israel and Judah and the surrounding nations, not us. The prophets are people who spoke for God to the people of their time, often in an attempt to turn them back to God. They wrote in a very different culture, in a very different place in history than us. And so it's really difficult just to read these prophecy books at face value. They require study and they require patience. So that's where a good Bible dictionary and good commentaries really help us with the setting and the theme and what's going on in those books. And then we move on to the Gospels, the teachings of Jesus, the stories about Jesus, the actual climax of the overall biblical narrative where God himself comes to establish his kingdom. And we have four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because they are the memoirs of the apostles, of those four apostles. And different the reason there's four is the different Christian communities at the time had different needs for a book about Jesus. And so each author had his own reasons for writing. Each author had their own reason for why they picked what story they picked, which is why you will see similar stories in the gospels, but they emphasize different details. See, the authors weren't just compilers of stories. They were authors. And so they, they emphasized different things. They, they didn't just make things up. They creatively structured their material to meet the needs of their readers. That's why it's important to understand the historical settings of both Jesus, what it's writing about, but then also the authors who were writing about Jesus and why they wrote. See, the Holy Spirit, when he inspired these writers to write, used their personalities, used their experiences to give us a fuller picture from all these different angles of what, what Jesus was doing and who he was. And so, the, again, good commentaries will help put these individual stories that we see, these individual teachings within the, that one gospel's overall narrative. You still with us? Good, because we're moving on to the epistles. Epistles just means letters. These are letters written by the apostles, mostly the apostle Paul, describing, explaining what it means, what it meant for them living in the kingdom of God in the first century. And so when we read these epistles, you don't just take a verse and be like, oh, this is what it means to me. You read the whole letter, try to read the whole letter through in one sitting. That's how you would read any letter that somebody sends. You don't just like take a sentence randomly out of a letter and be like, oh, that's what this person's talking. You read the whole letter. So think paragraphs not just little sentences and verses. And like the other biblical writings, the writers who wrote these, they wrote them so that their readers and listeners would understand them. But we still do have some difficult passages that we're not sure about. They're difficult because they weren't written to us in our time. When they were first written, they made sense to their readers and their listeners and their writers. And so we don't always perfectly know the specific context to which Paul or Peter was writing to. And so the details might be difficult, to to really understand. But almost always the main point of the whole passage is within our grasp. And this really is why there's so much weird and mistaken ideas that, that come out of this because they're picking sentences out of the context of the letter as a whole and trying to put it onto our lives without really knowing the context. And so good commentaries will lay out the main scholarly opinions for these things. And then we move on to probably the most difficult, which is the book of Revelation. It's mostly an apocalyptic type of literature, and this is a literary form that doesn't exist in our culture at all. And so when we read this, a good rule is this. The primary, the main meaning of Revelation is what John intended it to mean, which would be something his readers would understand. So we must understand their own historical context of when he wrote it and why he wrote it. It's very reliant on the Old Testament. It's very highly symbolic. But the main point of this book is not to tell us step by step how the world will end and when Jesus will come back and you can chart it out. No, it shows that God is in control of history, that God is in control of the church. And even though the church will experience suffering and even death, Jesus will ultimately be victorious. He will ultimately judge his enemies and he will save his people. So, know, read the Bible literarily. Guideline number three, follow a rhythm. Have a routine. Have a way in which you read and study the biblical writings. I, Here's here's mine. I'll, let me give you the way I do it, and maybe that will help. First, discover the writings, genre, and historical context, which means we need to start. When we start, we read the a Bible dictionary, read a commentary intro, not the entire commentary, an intro to know the genre, to get the historical context of what you're about to read. Good study Bibles even have that. And uh, the Bibleproject.com has amazing, free, and engaging overviews of every book of the Bible. Very helpful. And as you go through this, this phase of your rhythm, ask some questions, like ask in which part of the six-act play that we've talked about before is this author, is this audience, and why did the author write this? Next, read the context of the whole text. Try to read the book, at least a main section of it, in one sitting like we talked about think paragraphs, not individual verses. It's kind of like first you, 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 you read it like you're drinking a beer, right? You just kind of drink it and you enjoy it, you get the whole the whole thing of it. But then next you engage the text. It's like drinking a fine wine or a good scotch right You're trying to taste all the little nuances and, and the tannins and all that kind of stuff. So when you engage the text as you're reading it, write down any questions that come to mind. Use a Bible dictionary to help understand any words or phrases that stand out or confuse you. What do you see as the author's main idea? What overarching principles is the author trying to get across? If it's a narrative, try to put yourself in each character's shoes from different points of view and say, now how would they actually be feeling? How would they take what this person said? What questions would they have? And then next in my rhythm, that's when I ask the experts. That's when I refer to the commentaries. And a good commentary, again, is are all possible meanings presented or just the author's own pet theory? And then finally, do something with it. What has taught you? What has this taught you about God? What has it taught you about humanity? What has it taught you about your role in the story? Allow the text to change you. Allow the text to train you. Like all of this, all this work, all this knowledge is pointless. And it's wasted if we come out of it with just a little bit more info. See, if the point of studying the biblical writings is primarily for knowledge, we miss the primary point of the biblical writings. N.T. Wright said this, He said, scripture is there to be a means of God's action in and through us, which will include, but go far beyond the mere conveying of information. And then once you do that, like, what do I do with it? Ask God, what are you showing me from this passage? What are you showing me from this passage in its proper context? We're not just looking for some secret personal meaning, right? Where you hear people be like, well, God gave me this verse. And it totally meant that for the Israelites. But for me, it means I'm going to get a new car. See, that's completely ripping out of context and using the Bible like a fortune cookie fortune. So God, what are you showing me in its proper context? And what do you want me to do about it? What do you want me to do with what you're showing me? Now in the next series, we're gonna walk through how to do this rhythm with some of the most misunderstood passages in the biblical writings to kind of train us all how to engage the text. See, if we wanna discover and play our role in the story of the kingdom of God, we have to allow God to shape us through the biblical writings. So my question to you, are you willing to let it change you? Are you willing to hear things you've never heard before, especially things maybe you don't want to hear? See, we must always be open to new understandings of the Bible as we discover more. We need to be willing to discover that maybe our past thoughts were wrong and we misunderstood, and now we have a clearer understanding. See, the more we dig into the biblical writings, the more we discover. The more we discover, the more we transform, and the more we transform, the more we want to dig further and discover more and transform more. When we learn to read, understand, and use the Bible, we continually become more of who we were created to be.
1: for watching this series uh, put out by Cross Creek Community Church. We are a church in Salem located at 525 Ottawa Drive on the second and fourth Sundays of the month. You can come check us out at 4:30 p.m. There are some dates there on the screen but we have one more meeting in June and then we're meeting on the second and fourth Sundays in July. We have air conditioning, we have music, we'll have communion, a short message, and just time to be together. We'd love to see you uh, at 525 Ottawa Drive in South Salem. Uh, thanks for bringing your goodies for Samanka House. Uh, they're on the screen there, but we're looking for any kind of pastas, tomatoes, canned tomatoes, canned beans, canned veggies, and it all goes to a great place, which is uh, Samanca House through Union Gospel Mission of Salem, and that's our For Salem June opportunity for you. Thanks again for watching. Thanks for liking and subscribing. We have a new series starting next week. We hope you're staying cool, and we'll see you soon.